Thank you. Good evening. Today is July 4th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on this Tuesday. This week's chapter is Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Yvonne A. Thank you, Yvonne. Take it away. Hi, everybody. I am Yvonne A., recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm so happy to be here tonight and a privilege to be asked to share my story. Um, I have an awesome forgetter. And so when I have opportunities like this to tell my story, uh, it's a reminder of where I have been and where I am now. Um, and so I'll just um, qualify quickly. I'll share a few photos. Um, for those of you who have not seen my photos previously, uh, let's see if I can share those. Uh, this is me in my early uh, and late teens. I was probably about 15 in the green dress. That was uh, me on graduation day in, with the hat on. And the other two were in probably the couple of years following that. Um, I was probably about 165 pounds then. Uh, this was into my 20s. I was probably about 180 pounds there. This was me when I got married, obviously. I weighed 200, uh, and about 200 pounds there. Uh, this was my first anniversary. I weighed 215 pounds. And then these photos uh, range uh, for me from my highest weight, where I reached 265 pounds. And probably most of these photos are between 240 and 265. Um, so indeed, I am one of you. Um, this was what I looked like right before I started um, in a food addiction program. It was not a 12-step program, um, but it was uh, where I was uh, a couple of years ago. All right. So now you know that I'm one of you. Um, Bill's story. Um, so when I worked with my sponsor, um, her message to me was Bill's story was all about identifying in. And A, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been working with a sponsor. Um, B, uh, I wouldn't have identified in. I mean, Bill to me was this old guy who was some war veteran who, you know, worked on the stock market as a speculator and tried to be a lawyer and ran around town and was really successful in business and golf and all that kind of stuff. It's like, how does this apply to me? I, I don't get it. That's not me at all. Um, but that recovered sponsor that I had um, helped me to look deeper into the words to see where, in fact, those similarities in how Bill, did Bill drink like I ate? Did he behave in the same ways that I behaved? Um, and so right at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about love and applause, um, you know, and being excited to be a part of, of that. And you know, from a, the very young age, I was always seeking love and applause. I always had this hole. I still have that hole. I just try to fill it differently today. It's actually, I heard somebody say the other day that it's actually a hole that it doesn't, that doesn't exist. It's a hole I perceive, but that doesn't exist. And that's true because it's, it's just this bottomless pit. Um, but I needed constant reassurance. I was, I learned early on to be a people pleaser. Um, because that got me um, love and attention and applause. Um, and 
the food that I turned to helped me to fill that full hole too. I learned early on that sugar um, made me feel good, whether I was already feeling good or whether I was feeling bad or lonely. Um, sugar and just food in general made me happy. Um, he goes on to say on, on page two that he proved to the world um, that, you know, he was something. And I tried to do the same. I excelled academically in school. Um, I worked really hard at my jobs, um, but I always felt like a phony and I always felt like I was trying to make up for the fact that I was overweight, that somehow if I could be good enough in other things, people could look beyond the fact um, that I was overweight. Um, and to make sure that um, I proved I was something, I didn't do anything unless I knew I could excel at it. I didn't do sports because, you know, I was inevitably the last person picked for the team when I, we were in school. I was uncoordinated. I was not, you know, athletic. I did not have good hand-eye coordination. Um, I didn't do anything where I would have had to overcome a fear um, because I didn't want to be standing on the edge of, you know, all my friends would jump off the cliff when we went swimming. Um, I didn't want to stand on the edge and be the person who um, didn't jump, who turned away, who couldn't do it. So I really isolated myself from anything that I felt I was going to fail at. Um, so I worked hard. I had some success, um, but I felt like... Um, underneath it all, I had this bad case of imposter syndrome, that if they knew what I did when I went home, they would think so different, like, differently of me. And I would go home from work, and I would stop at the grocery store on the way home. And I don't know, back then, I mean, that was, uh, I was probably in my mid-20s, and I'm in my early 60s now. Um, I would buy like $25 worth of food. That was a lot of food. And I would eat and I would purge, and I would eat, and I would purge, and I would eat, and I would purge, until I was exhausted, um, and that's how I was able to control my weight um, through most of my 20s, was through purging, but I did realize that um, the purging was going to be something that I couldn't sustain. Um, it was dangerous to my health. I could feel my heart racing. I was terrified I was going to be found out. Um, there was a telltale sign that I never, ever shared with anybody. I don't think I still have. Um, I can tell I can tell now, but what, you know, like I'd have my finger down my throat. And if you knew, I'd have teeth marks in my knuckle and it would be red. And so if you knew to look through for that, you would have known that I'd been vomiting, but I never shared that with anybody who would have been around me. Well, I never shared it with anybody, period. Um, and, and so that's how I kind of, as you know, Bill goes on and he says, my eat, my drinking assumed more serious propor proportions. Yeah, my eating did. That's why I had to, to start purging because if I hadn't, my weight would have ballooned. But as I realized I was going to have to stop and I did go into a group treatment um, situation for the uh, bulimia. Um, and I did stop the vomiting for the most part. And exactly as expected, I ballooned up to weights much higher than what I had been able to sustain to that um, point. Um, 
And so I promised myself I was in that addiction cycle, right? I promised myself over and over and over and over again. And Bill talks about it in the context of the crisis of his, you know, his stock market friends jumping to their death. But, you know, he kind of laughed it off and said, tomorrow is another day. Well, I did the same thing with food. It was like tomorrow was always going to be the day. Tomorrow is tomorrow will be will be the day. And I, I mean, I was in complete denial. I was so sure that tomorrow was going to be the day that somehow magically I'd start being able to um, control my inability to stop eating. Um, and of course, uh, it never was. And then I needed food. So Bill says liquor ceased to be a luxury and it became a necessity. And I don't know when that happened for me, but I did start to need the food. I'd get angry. I'd get um, irritable. Um, my husband didn't want to be around me. Um, if I was, you know, if I was trying to diet and I'd been on a diet for a few days, I was pretty cranky. Um, and I needed that food. I was filled with anxiety all the time. And the food took the edge off um, just a little bit. And so I was in that cycle over and over and over and over again for, you know, a very long time. Um, in my 40s, uh, in my early 40s, I had, I, I was a terrible dieter. I never had much success. I would, you know, think that I could do it, that I could get the weight off, but it just never happened. Um, but I was able um, in my early 40s to lose about 80 pounds. And I was so sure that time that this was it. I, you know, I had this self-knowledge. I knew about diets. I knew about food. I knew what healthy foods I need to be eating. Um, you know, I'd arrived here at this weight and I'd never let myself get heavy again. Um, but of course, um, I did. It was slow. It was slower this time than it had been previously. Um, but I gained back, you know, all but maybe 10 or 15 pounds of that weight before um, I realized that uh, there was just no way for me to control this. I suspected I was a food addict. It wasn't anything I heard talked about a lot. I didn't know what to do about it. Um, but I just felt like I was a complete failure because of my inability to control the food. And, you know, Bill says food was my master. And indeed it was. I stopped going out with friends. I stopped doing, you know, pretty much everything except binging. And, um, and I, I won't say actually binging, I didn't binge as much as I was a continuous grazer. I ate from the time I got up until the time I went to bed. Um, multiple, like, I don't know, I probably ate 15 or 20 times a day. So it didn't have to be big portions, because I, it was constant. Um, and then I went to the doctor with my husband. Uh, to his doctor. And she suggested to me that as we were both aging, I was going to need to start taking better care of my health. Um, so that was kind of a bit of a wake up call. I'd just been in this endless cycle for a couple of decades. And so I went um, to a place here, it was a medical weight management, I thought, maybe this is it, maybe this is something different. But it wasn't, it was just the same old, same old, you know, everything in moderation, control your portions, lower calories, you know, do these things, get in touch with your emotions. And it's like, Oh, Lord, 
Um, so my they they weigh they measure or they weigh you every six months in this program. And I was terrified because I thought of my first six month weigh and I thought, oh God, I'm gonna gain like 20 pounds. And I was so happy because I only gained like nine pounds. And I was like, okay, that wasn't exactly the goal in this medical weight loss management, but it was it, it was a small victory because I hadn't gained more. Um, so I said to my doctor, I said, you know, I, th I think it, it, the doctor in this program, I said, I think I might be a food addict. He said, I don't believe in that. And it's like, oh boy. All right. But luckily this clinic had a variety of doctors. There was about eight physicians there, I think, and nurses and stuff as well. And so there were others there who did um, have some knowledge of food addiction and they had arranged to bring this food addiction counselor in to do an eight week, pro wait, eight week program where you went for an hour once a week. And so I signed up for that. And really that was my first introduction into food um, addiction. Um, and I'd go to those meetings and I'd spend half the time listening to what she had to say and the other half planning what I was going to eat on my way home. Where was I going to stop? How was I going to get rid of it all? Um, and then I'd come in the door and tell my husband, oh, yeah, it was so awesome. All this new information and, you know, feeling inside sick because, again, I knew the lies. I knew the dishonesty. I knew the phony that I was. Um but I didn't give up. I signed up for her group after um, that went on. Um, I managed finally to get 30 days of abstinence and abstinence in that program was just no flour, no sugar. Um, and so I thought, oh, maybe maybe I've got this conquered. So I went out and tried dabbling a little bit. And of course, seven more months before I could get abstinence again. And then I was able to maintain that for 11 months before I fell off the wagon that time. And that was um, when I made my way to OA. I knew that this woman who was leading the food addiction program actually had been, she had got her start in OA. She'd left when she'd relapsed and taken a different path. But I thought, okay, maybe maybe OA can work. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know. I, I'm not in any other 12-step programs. If I'd known what the 12-step program was all about, I probably would have had a closed mind about it I probably wouldn't have come and give it a chance um, but I didn't know so I arrived all naive ready to, to you know do this 12-step program lose all my weight and get better and yeah yeah it was all rah rah um, but of course um, that wasn't quite how it went either um, anyways I, I put a fast forward here because I know I'm I'm getting down on my time so who was my first Ebby really my first Ebby was my first sponsor Yvonne, you're muted. Yep, sorry about that. Not sure what happened. Um, anyways, my first sponsor sat across the table and she told me that God had done for her what she could not do for herself. Um, and that she had been a skeptic, that she poo-pooed, you know, she came from a religious background, but had kind of thrown that out the window. Um, but I was ready. And so, I mean, here she was, this shining example. Um, and I was ready, certainly, at 60 years old to admit complete defeat. Um, and so I had to get back in touch with a higher power. It wasn't, I, I was surprised I had been, become so disconnected. Um, but so it took a bit of work, but I got there. Um, and you know, the, in Bill's story, it says, they basically said, said I could be taken from the scrap heap to a level of life 
um, that I had never known. Um, I was skeptical, but I didn't care. I was going to try it anyways. It's like, it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work. Um, and so what did I do? I did everything that my sponsor asked of me. I went to meetings. I became abstinent. Um, I took all of my alcoholic foods out of my um, diet. I adopted a weight and measured food plan. I saw a nutritionist and got ultimately got a food plan that was tailored to me. I did my homework. I went to meetings. I made outreach calls. I did service. Uh, and I worked the, the steps. I was willing to go to any lengths because I really was desperate at that point. Um, it wasn't always easy. And certainly um, on the first time, th I've only done the steps one time. I imagine there will be more journeys through them in my future. Um, but, you know, today I'm here, I'm abstinent. I've got about 15 months now of abstinence under my belt. I'm down from my, uh, down about 106 pounds from my top weight. I have peace in my heart. I have joy in my life. I'm learning more about myself than I had known in the first 60 years of my life. I'm learning to feel my emotions, to understand emotions, to connect with those emotions, not run away, and to know that they're not going to kill me, that I'm going to be able to carry on even after a shitty day, because there's still shitty days, folks. Um, being recovered doesn't mean there's no shitty days. It just means we live through the shitty days without picking up food. That's all it means. Uh, and I say that's all it means, but that's a miracle. That's a miracle that I live through a shitty day and don't pick up food. Um, and, uh, and now my work is to stay here. And how do I do that? I'm diligent with my food. I still weigh and measure. I still commit my food to my sponsor every single day. I do my nightly reviews. I wake up every morning. I say good morning to my higher power. I show the gratitude I have for the life that I have now. I recite the first three steps of this program every morning to remind myself where I came from, where, where I come from. I am still powerless. I am always going to be powerless. Um, that's not going to change. Um, I go through my day in the way I think it's going to unfold and ask my higher power to show me anything that he wants, she wants, it wants whatever your conception of higher power is. Two minutes. Um, thank you, Heidi. Um, and um, I try and enlarge uh, my spiritual life. I mean, there's a lot of warnings in the book um, that if we fail to do that, if we rest on our laurels, um, that recovery um, can take a slippery slide um, down and the food is the last thing to go. So it's our spiritual fitness that we have to keep uh, on top of. I sponsor, I am sponsored. I do service um, at a lot of meetings um, and I love it. I love the fellowship. Um, I have found in a way a family where I am safe. I'm understood. I am loved for who I am today. I don't have to be any different than who I am in this very moment. Um, and that is something that is beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought that I could have this. I didn't even know that um, a fellowship like this existed, that food neutrality was a thing, that 
spiritual and emotional sobriety was a thing. All these are new to me. I hope I get to live another, you know, two or three decades um, to experience life in recovery um, for as long as I can. So that's how I identify with Bill. And thank you for allowing me to share my story. Thank you so much, Yvonne A. Thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions for our speaker or three-minute shares, as this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to Bill's story that we are studying this week. And we ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or press star nine if you're on the phone. And our Zoom host, Nancy, will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper, Heidi, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. And if the speaker's asked a question, if someone asks Yvonne a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Who would like to ask? All right, we've got Meredith. Go ahead, Meredith. There we go. <laughs> oh, you guys, um, I am Meredith, um, recovered compulsive overeater in Nashville, Tennessee. I have a really nervous dog on my lap. Not only are we having fireworks, but there's a thunderstorm too. This is my own kind of double whammy right now. I'm dealing with this poor guy. Um, thank you, Yvonne. I, I just love you. And, um, I'm so happy that you shared your experience with us. Um, this um, doctor thing came up in last night's CYOC meeting, and it's just talk about baffling. I think <laughs> it's baffling to think that doctors say some of the things they do, I guess. Um, and, you know, I just heard a commercial today for a popular weight loss program, um, and it was a doctor speaking, and he said, it's amazing to me that I'm a doctor, and there's so much I didn't know about my, my body or something like that. And I just thought, because it's not all about your body, it's, you know, it's about your mind and your heart and your spirit. and um, Another thing that struck me that you said was, well, you know, you found something that was beyond your wildest dreams. And um boy, I hope I that's that's my experience too. I heard a fellow say recently, um, I mean, she has a life that it's the same thing, like she couldn't have fathomed. And uh, for me, um, this life that I have um, is because I learned how to be honest here and I don't have to hide anymore and, you know, feel like an imposter all the time. If I don't know something, I used to think I, I had to make it up and, and 
act as if I knew what I was, what the hell I was doing or what I was talking about. I had to be the expert on it. Um, but what a relief now to say, I don't know. Can you, can you help me? Um, it is like the burden of that being lifted is enormous for me. Um, let me think. Those are the things that that um, I just kind of noted as you were talking. Um, oh, and I I wanted to say also that once that doctor said that to you, like I don't think that's a thing, boy, that could have sent you in a whole other trajectory. And that's to have Okay, thanks. Just to have the courage to say that in the first place and to be shot down. Oh my gosh. So thank God you made it through there to these rooms. Um, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you. And next we have Heidi B. Go ahead, Heidi. Hi, Heidi B from New York. I'm just going to start my timer. Um, thank you, Yvonne. Thank you so much. Um, I was just thinking that I love you too. And I, you know, and I love all you guys. And, and um, it, that might sound weird because like we never talk. We, I don't think I've ever called you, uh, but I have listened to the podcast and this was like before I could really attend regularly. And I just feel like I know you guys. <laughs> it's just... Um, so you guys, uh, are, are all in my heart, even though, um, we probably have never talked outside of this room. So, <laughs> um, anyway, I just resonated with so much that you said, um, you know, like that the food making me feel happy and like, um, just, you know, giving me that ease and comfort. And, um, you know, for me, it was like, when I finally got to the point that like, I just, wasn't getting that ease and comfort anymore that I finally was like, okay, <laughs> this isn't working. This is not looking good. Um, but for as long as it worked, I mean, I didn't want to do anything else. It was working. And, um, and you said like, you're a terrible dieter. And I so relate to that. Um, I just like, you know, I would like look at a diet and say, oh, all right, I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, and, and then I would do it for two weeks and be over it, you know, at, at best two weeks. And um, and it was in my family, it was totally normal um, to be overweight. Um, everyone was an overeater, it seemed. And so it it wasn't like um, it just wasn't weird. And so I I didn't really try really hard um until you know um there were circumstances external circumstances that made me realize that you know my my eating is out of control um the doctor thing also um i've i've had my fair share of interactions with doctors and um i've shared here before that i had bariatric surgery 20 years ago and um, when I was struggling, um, the doctor that had performed the surgery said to me, um, you know, it's perfectly normal to have an 800 calorie a day diet. And I just was like, what? <laughs> You've clearly never been overweight in your life. <laughs> like, 
Um, which of course is very judgmental of me, but, you know, I was just like, so mad, you know, it's just like, how can you say that to people, especially people that obviously like have an issue with food. Um, but I've learned that, um, you know, even doctors that I really, really like, um, you know, don't, uh, have, you know, the same opinion or understanding of food addiction, um, unfortunately, and that's my time. Um, so I will leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Jill. Go ahead, Jill. Hi, I'm Jill, compulsive overeater. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, great, great, great. Um, you know, I was just thinking how today's just been going kind of slow for me, trying to get through the day and thinking about what I used to do on this holiday, which with, this is like a green light for binging kind of holiday and just not doing that today and just being on my food plan. And then like from three to four, I was just kind of going bananas. And I'm just like, just sit, sit one minute, sit one minute, sit one minute and, um, or watch this one TV show and then it'll be a half hour. And it didn't even occur to me that you all were here tonight. Um, I'm so used to not asking for help and not expecting help to be there when I need it. And I just kind of like came into fold laundry and I saw my phone there and I picked it up and I looked at WeChat and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a meeting. And I saw Yvonne, where are you Yvonne? There you are. Um, hi, sweetie. I also love you. Um, love your shares. And uh, what I was thinking about during your share, and I'm very sorry I was late, what I was thinking about is just those drastic ups and downs of either binging or dieting, binging or dieting, all in, all out. I just didn't have any kind of, it, I don't even know how to describe it. When you were talking about the dieting, I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, that was so chaotic. I kept thinking it was going to be, it was going to help me with control. It was going to help me with all these things. Um, and it was just so chaotic. So, and when I see you, I just feel at peace. I know others do too, because I've heard others share about you. Um, so just so you know, that comes across, like that is program, it's a gift of the program. And this morning I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I feel happy. That's, that's, new that's like strange and new and um i just right now in this moment i'm just feeling so grateful and um i so appreciate you all doing service today and showing up today i needed this so much and uh i just it just really flipped my day around so i will end there so somebody else can share and thank you so much yvonne love you thank you jill and next up we have nancy g go ahead nancy Hi. Um, thank you, Yvonne, for your share. It was really, really fantastic. It was, it was so much, it's, you just exude caring and I really appreciate that. And I just wanted to ask you, um, <clears throat> you said that, you know, when you finally got in, you did everything your sponsor said and you got abstinent. So the question I have is, did you have to white knuckle it at the beginning or did you pink cloud it? How did you go from the food to the abstinence? Can you can you answer that? Thanks. 
I, yeah, I can. I, I was trying to be off of sugar and flour before that. Um, but I had kind of been in this relapse from the other program for about three months. So I was not um, abstinent, but I wasn't binging as much as I could. Um, and I, I told you at the beginning in the story that um, I will do everything in my power to excel. So that is part of it for me. Part of this disease helped me get abstinent because if I was going to do this, I was freaking going to do this well. And so like I read every label, I sent pictures of food to my sponsor. Is this okay to eat? Is that okay to eat? So, you know, my attempt to be an A++ student helped me to get um, abstinent and um, to stay abstinent. There were certainly times when I had to white knuckle it um, a bit, but I know I was blessed to have not had the challenges that some people, the struggle some people have um, to get abstinent. Um, but what, you know, this is me, right? This is part of our, the kind of personality that me and probably many others in this room have. It's like, if I'm doing something, I am all in. And it was not, you know, kind of a half-assed attempt. It was like, yeah, I'm going to throw myself in and whatever it takes, I'm going to figure out how I have to do this. And I didn't like everything. I didn't like what the answers always were. Um, you know, I'd say, well, I would, you know, I think I can have this chocolate almond milk because it's unsweetened and it doesn't have, and she's like, nope. I'm like, dang, that's what I drink in my coffee. She's like, not anymore, you don't. And it's like, okay. So we're, there were things I had to give up that I wasn't happy about, but I did it because that's what good students do. So <laughs> um, that that's how I got abstinent. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Nancy, for your question. Does anyone else, while we're still in the recorded portion, have a share? Don't be shy. We're friendly. All right. It's only a couple minutes before we would anyway. So Nancy, would you mind stopping the recording at this point, please? <laughs>